Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sauteed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Get cooking at Beef. It's what's for dinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Well, it would normally be our Friday deep dig, but this is a holiday edition, a bowl game edition, and so this will be our Sunday slash Monday deep dig as we get you ready for the Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State and Texas Tech playing on Tuesday. I'm Charlie Winfield. Bart Gregory is with me. And Bart, look, if you were making out a bowl schedule, you don't always know how excitement is going to build around games. But, you know, look, if you're Mike Leach, this is probably as good as any you can pick in terms of an opponent. Number one, it's a power five opponent that is beatable. Uh, number two, they got a, if you've got any revenge factor, well, this is the team to have it against. Yeah, Charlie, and I've kind of gone back and forth about how I look at that. You know, you know, so many coaches, when they coach with fire and brimstone, they can get a team ready to play, and it's volatile. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. You know, Mike Leach, and we talked about this a little bit earlier this year about how everything is kind of even keel with Mike Leach. And so I don't know how much, you know, at practice it's been driven into, hey, we've got to win this game. We have got to play well in this game. This is a team that done me that done me wrong a little bit. And so I don't know how much it plays into it. Now, I, what I do think it plays into is if you've got a lead in the fourth quarter, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be running the football to run the clock. So I don't know how much of what outside went into play. Now, I do think where it does help is, you know, it's a situation of he can make sure that this team is ready to play. But as far as getting them overly amped and overly juiced up, I don't know because that's really not Mike Leach in trying to get a team ready to do something that they he normally doesn't ask them to do. Yeah, you don't see many pregame speeches from Mike Leach that make you want to run through a wall necessarily. It's more about execution and doing what you know to do. I think I'm right in saying that most of the things we've seen from Mike Leach that have been especially animated have been when things didn't go well. So maybe what we are looking for today is the Mike Leach that uh, perhaps isn't as animated and kind of plays it normal. But where does that come into play, Bart? I think it comes into play if this game is decidedly in the Bulldogs' favor. I don't think you're going to see a game where Mike Leach says, hey, let's pack it up and clear the benches here. No, not at all. And that was kind of my opening statement. And going to be my opening statement is, from an emotional standpoint, I think this is going to be a business type of approach for Mississippi State. Now, the thing about this too, Charlie, is there are good things and bad things when it gets to bowl season. Sometimes you get in the bowl game where, you know, we saw it in the Orange Bowl where the team's gone for a solid week and they they get out. Or we've seen it in the Gator Bowl as well where the team leaves and they're gone for five or six days and they move camp down there. And what happens when you talk to everybody associated with the program? Man, I'm ready to go home. And so, you know, it's almost like you're there too long. Now, this team got there on Christmas Day, which was yesterday. And so you practice just a few days, just a couple of days leading up to that. I think that's a good thing. You know, I know the Bulls, they put together a lot of great things for these kids. And it's a good experience, no doubt. 
But at the end of the day, once you get past day five, you start to lose the kids after about five days. And so that's one of the big things about this one, I think. And, hey, it's a good matchup. I mean, this is just a really good matchup. But, you know, Texas Tech is a team. You know, they started their season under Matt Wells. He coached the first eight games, so was fired after the, the eighth game of the season, a loss against Kansas State. They lost 70-35, to 35, and that's what everybody wants to look for when you look at Texas Tech this year. But when you really dive into it, you know, Taj Brooks, their leading rusher, was out for that game with a leg injury. That was the first of four games that he missed. And then Tyler Shuck, who was their starting quarterback, went down early in that game. He broke a collarbone. He was out for the rest of the year, still not going to play in the Liberty Bowl. And so you kind of had everything fall apart for you early in that Texas game, and it ends up being a 70-35 to Texas win. And that kind of started the spiral a little bit for Texas Tech. Now, they were 5-3 and three after eight games, but they had Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and Baylor left on the schedule. So what does Kirby Hocutt do, the AD? He says, I'm not giving Matt Wells a chance to coach himself out of this. And so they go with Sonny Cumbie as the interim coach the rest of the way. And so when you look at it on the surface – this is not as bad as you would possibly think of a 6-6 six and six team, but over the last four games with an interim coach, they've kind of changed their offensive style. They're not playing as well as they would appear as either. All right, so that's your opening look at this ball game. This is, by the way, our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. We normally do this on Friday. I think it's better to say we normally do it the day before the game, and that's kind of what we're doing here on this presentation. Bart, you know, Tracks Plus, I laughed. I got a tweet saying that the Friday deep dig makes me want to go out and buy machinery that I have no use for. And not everybody does. But, man, I'll tell you, I was absolutely blown away by the things these guys and their equipment can do. It's absolutely phenomenal the things that Tracks Plus can do for those who do need it. Yeah, and Daniel Bounds is over in Columbus and Fred Fulton over there as well with the Forrester equipment. Ken Crosby down at Hickory. You've got Hoop Weems down in Alexandria, Louisiana. Gresh Howell down in Summit, Mississippi. They've got four locations. And they're putting together this heavy equipment, Barco. I saw some Barco at a uh, at a land-clearing site just the other day. And so Barco with those Demi Seamoff mulching heads and they've got the sany equipment uh, i'm going to go jump on an excavator charlie I, i'm going to tell you that t- later today i'm going to jump on an excavator and i'm going to do a little land clearing and it is a sany excavator and so sany with great d- dirt construction equipment and so the great fine folks at tracks plus you know chris weems and those guys giving you hey we talk about our bowl a pick them contest. They sent us one of those K2 coolers and a bunch of other th- other things from Tracks Plus. We'll talk about that uh, bowl pick them contest in just a few minutes. But, man, just great folks at Tracks Plus. All right, Bart, you've had your opening look, and mine is pretty simple. I, I think bowl games, I've gone back to this time and time again. I think bowl games are about who cares. And it's easy to see where Mississippi State is as a team. It's easy to see that you have some young players who want to get ready to play. Texas Tech is a difficult case to figure out who they are. Are they Florida? Are they a team who already has a new coach hired, who's playing with an interim coach, who has some guys who may or may not want to be there, who know that basically what they're dealing with now is the substitute teacher rather than their real head coach? They've got a lot of older guys. Are they playing for pride or are they ready to turn the page and just get out of there? I don't know what we're going to see in Texas Tech. Beyond mindset, 
I don't know what we're going to see from Texas Tech, even if everything was normal. This is a team that has done some really strange things if you look at them this year. They give up 70 to Texas and then compete with Baylor. They get blown out by Oklahoma, but have a last-second field goal to beat everybody's media darling Iowa State. What is this team? They're uneven. And where does that leave you coming into a bowl game? I don't know. My hope is, though, that what we are going to see is a group that is basically playing for the substitute teacher. They'll give you a little bit of effort, but if things go the wrong way, all of a sudden they're looking forward to the next stages of their lives. I think mindset is going to be a big key in this ball game, and with Texas Tech, hard to say where they're going to be. Charlie, one of the things that stands out to me, and I'm going to jump right into my numbers in just a second, is, and you asked this question not only about Texas Tech, but also us, is in the years past, you've had the situations of players opting out of bowl games. But this year, and with the new NIL and with the new transfer policies, you know, players or more players are doing this. And you kind of just wonder what that does to the room, what that does to the quarterback room, what that does to the linebacker room, what that does to the cornerbacks, and, you know, so many different players. Because the, the thing about this ball game to me, and for both teams, you know, Texas Tech's best wide receiver is opting out. Announced that just the other day. You know, Martin Emerson, our best cornerback, is opting out. Of course, you know, Aaron Brule, the Charles Cross, you've got so many different guys, and you kind of wonder what that does to a team in their specific groups. Now, some players want to rise up and say, hey, I'm finally getting my opportunity to play. But you also kind of wonder for both of these teams what the disruption will be like. Yeah, you you absolutely do. So, well, Bart, you uh, previewed your numbers. By the way, we are in our Farm Bureau studios, Farm Bureau agents in all 82 counties. They have uh, kicked in some nice stuff for us as well on our bowl pick contest. Somebody's going to make off like a bandit, by the way. Farm Bureau, we talked about Tracks Plus, Farm Bureau stepping up too. We've got a Yeti cooler coming from them. So the thing we've talked about, and this is kind of a common thread with all the people who have uh, been with us as sponsors throughout this year, is the customer service. These are guys who are committed to helping you, doing it right. And with Farm Bureau, you're dealing with guys right there in your own neighborhood, in your own town. So Farm Bureau, check them out at favrates.com. And that's uh, our Farm Bureau studios. And Bart, let's take a look at your numbers. All right, Charlie, my first number is 30. And 30 is the number of points that I want to see us score in this game. And I don't think it's the number that we need to score to win. This is just the number of points I want to see. And here's the reason why. We've scored under 30 points seven times this year. We're 2-5 and five in those games. We won against Texas A&M. We won against NC State. And we lost five games where we scored under 30 points. The last three times we scored under 30, we have lost. And so I want to see us score 30 points in this game for a couple of reasons. One is to get some confidence going into the offseason. We talk about that 2013 Liberty Bowl with Dak. One of the big things about that game is we scored points and had a lot of positive momentum going into the offseason. I want to see points scored in this game to give you a lot of positivity because I think we're going to be really good next year and we need some of that positivity in the offseason. All right, so your first number was 30, and that's points you want to see. Now, what's interesting to me is you said you don't know that that's what we need to win. I, I kind of think, think you might need it, at least in the 20s. High 20s? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not only saying that we need 30, I'm saying it's going to take 30 to win. 
Okay. All right. Hey, that's what they're average. They average 30 a game. So we're both saying, well, I'm saying we need 30, but we're saying that we need it for different reasons. Okay. That's my first number is 30. My second number is 14, and that's the number of receptions for Makai Polk. Now, He's had four games this year where he's gone over 10. His highest was 13 catches against Texas A&M. I just think this is a game that kind of lends itself to a Makai Polk. And I'm going to say 14 receptions for Makai Polk in this game. You know, we didn't have the numbers of guys making catches against Ole Miss that we have all season long. Of course, you don't have a Malik Heath in this game. I think the safety blanket for is for Will Rogers is going to be Makai Polk, and I think he gets 14 receptions in this game. Are we going to play it twice? No, we're not going to play it twice. Like I said, four times this year he's gone over 10 as it is. I think we're going to target him 16, 17 times. He's usually a high-percentage type of guy when you start looking at targets, and I think this is a game where Makai Polk makes some hay. 14. I mean, well, let's say this for you, Bart. Uh, some people could accuse us of picking numbers that are easy and obvious. Uh, 14, you're kind of hanging yourself out there. So, all right, so a 30 and a 14. My third and final number is four, and that's the number of plays I want to see Texas Tech go over 20 yards. Now, here's what's interesting. We talk about Mississippi State and not having, quote-unquote, big play potential, in which we kind of have this season. But both Mississippi State and Texas Tech both have 58 plays over 20 yards. Now, over a 12-game span, that's 4.8 per game. And the reason I'm saying four, I started with this number with six, then I went down to five. I'm going to settle with four. And here's the reason why, Charlie, is because the last four games, they have really evened out their offense under Sonny Cumbie as far as run and pass. And they really haven't had big play potential. But this is the game with no Martin Emerson on the outside that you could possibly see some big plays. But I'm saying four. That's the number of plays that Texas Tech, you can't have more than four plays over 20 yards. All right, so we got a 30, a 14, and a four for your numbers. Let's take a look at mine. My first number is 450, and that's the number of passing yards that I think Mississippi State needs to win this game. Only one team has gone over 400 yards all season on Texas Tech passing, and that was Oklahoma. But like we alluded to earlier, Texas actually scored 70 points on this team. They threw for around 360, and the reason they didn't throw for more is they didn't have to because they were running it at will. But you go back, we've gone over 406 times this year. They've allowed only once, but I think our offense is clicking. I think it's moving. I think whatever yards we're going to get, they're going to by and large be in the air. And I think this is a game where I'm looking for about 500 yards of offense from Mississippi State because I don't think this is going to be a tap-the-brakes kind of game for Mike Leach. I think if we're going to be throwing it to the end either way. So for me, though, I think 450 is the number of passing yards I'd like to see for Mississippi State. Hey, you're stepping out there, too. You talk about my Ford. Hey, let me tell you this. If we get 450 yards passing, we may need Makai Polk to catch 14 balls. Well, we might, but I just have the feeling this is going to be one of those games where Mississippi State needs to open things up a little bit, needs to have some big plays. I think this is a team that gives them the chance to do that. I feel good about that number. I feel real good about the first number being a four. Four, the, the extra 50 may be putting a little bit, a little bit too much on there, but 450 is the number I want to see. I'm going to hang myself out there again, Bart. 
my second number is 30. And I want a kickoff return to go at least 30 yards tomorrow. And you say, well, you may not even have that many chances, and that is true. Texas Tech does a pretty good job of kicking it in a non-returnable situation. Go back to the bowl game last year. How was that game made different? It was by Tulu able to get the big return to get things going. How was the North Carolina State game different this year? The big return. Texas Tech, his longest return they've allowed all year is 38 yards. That was very early in the season. Again, may not get many chances, but when you're looking for energy, you're looking for excitement, I think in games like this, special teams is one of the ways to go. Hey, I agree with that. And I'll take a Tulu kick return. Hey, the thing we haven't talked about, Charlie, and one of the reasons I think you're probably going with 450 and some of these offensive numbers that I'm going with too is the weather is going to be pretty good in Memphis on Tuesday. I mean, very unseasonably high even later in the day, you know, 73 degrees. So this is not like the typical Liberty Bowls we've seen of years past where you feel like you're sitting there in 30-degree weather. We've got a chance to have good weather. The footing should be good, which lends itself to offensive numbers, and it also lends itself to guys who can make quick moves in the kick game. And you may see Tulu Griffin get that 30-yard kick return. Well, I think anytime you're looking for an advantage in a ball game, special teams is one of those ways to get it. And so that is my second number. My third is two. And that's the number of Texas Tech trips to the red zone I think we can allow. That's awfully ambitious when you look at it. But here's the thing Texas Tech has done. They've not gotten to the red zone but one time the last two ball games. So many times we talk about Ben versus break. You know, so many times we talk about Ben but don't break, all these kind of things. I think this is one where tomorrow – Mississippi State defense is going to have to decide to step up and not break, not bend, somewhere short of the 20-yard line, keep Texas Tech out of those favorable spots because they have been really good at scoring touchdowns when they get into the red zone. The key is keep them out of there. So your numbers are 450, 30, and 2. 450 yards passing. We need a 30-yard kick return and then two trips to the red zone that's limiting Texas Tech in red zone opportunities. Okay, I'm good with it. I like your numbers. All right, so that's a look at our three numbers each, and now we've got two players for the Red Raiders. Bart, you've got your two? Yeah, and I'm going to stay. Usually I go offense and defense, but this week I'm going to stay with just two offensive guys. My first one's a quarterback, Donovan Smith. He's a redshirt freshman from Las Vegas. He wears number seven. He's been the starting quarterback for the last four weeks. His dad is the running backs coach at Texas Tech. And so here's the thing. He went 17 of 22 against Oklahoma. He was pretty good in that game. Against Iowa State, he was outstanding. 25 of 32, 322 yards, three touchdowns. But against Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State's probably got the best defense. Well, they do have the best defense in the Big 12. They shut Texas Tech out. It was the first time in 303 games that they had been shut out. First time since 1997. And then he comes back last week, goes 15 of 23, or the last game against Baylor, 15 of 23, 262 through the year. Against a pretty good defense as well. But Donovan Smith, since he started as quarterback under Sonny Cumbie, you look at the last four games, Charlie, you start looking at run versus pass. Against Oklahoma, 32 rushes, 34 passes. The next week against Iowa State, 34 rushes, 33 passes. Against Oklahoma State, 
26 rushes, 31 passes. And then against Baylor, 28 rushes, 24 passes. They're right at 50%. And so the thing this guy has been able to do is when he has thrown the ball, his receptions, on his receptions, they've gone for over 10 yards. And so they, they've made the most of them when they've completed those passes. If you can get to him and get pressure on him, he really struggled against Oklahoma State. He was just 9 of 28 in that game. So Donovan Smith, to me, is going to be the key to this game. Do they open him up a little bit more than they have been? But typically, they've been going 50-50 on the run pass. My other player is number 28, Taj Brooks. And the reason I bring him into play is because they have gone 50-50 with their run game. You know, Taj Brooks, we talked about him a minute ago, did not play against Texas. He broke a bone in his foot or his leg, lost, missed the Texas game, missed the West Virginia game, missed the TCU game, then he missed the Kansas game, and now he's played five games. Against Iowa State, he had 80 yards rushing on nine carries. His last time out against Baylor, 14 carries for 40 yards. I think stopping Taj Brooks is going to be a big key for Mississippi State because with the 50-50, you kind of don't know what you're going to do with your linebackers can you sit back do you have to be aggressive and come up in the hole and it gives a guy like Taj Brooks who's a big guy 5'10 220 running back he can get there the sophomore from Manor Texas and he can make some hay in the run game so those are my two players number seven Donovan, Donovan Smith the quarterback and number 28 the running back Taj Brooks all right so let's uh, look at your two players mine Bart I don't think we've done this all year I am picking a kicker as one of my two players, and it's Jonathan Garibay of Texas Tech. And you say, why are you picking a kicker? Well, first of all, he is the only first-team All-Big 12 player on this team. The second thing is, if this ball game, so many times we get to looking at these games and we think offense, defense, we, we don't always think about the kicking game being a difference. And let's hope it's not, because Texas Tech has a good with Garibay you know, you kind of hear some people say, well, if they cross midfield, they're in field goal range. And that's almost literally true with him. He kicked a 62-yarder as time expired to beat Iowa State, that Iowa State team that was so overhyped coming into the season. But he kicks a 62-yarder. He only misses one field goal all year. He's 13 of 14. His only miss was from 52 yards. And so you start looking, and we talk about keeping a team out of the red zone, once they cross the 35, once they cross the 30, they're feeling really good about their chances of at least having three points on the board. Garibay is not your typical profiled kicker. He's not a little guy. He's 6'1", he's 215. He doesn't punt. He doesn't kick off, typically. Basically, he kicks field goals, and he's been really good at doing that. Now, here's a curious note for you. This is a guy 13 of 14 on field goals, but if you go back to his junior college career, he has missed 13 extra points. And you say, how on earth is a guy like this who is so good, who is perfect inside of 40 yards in his career at Texas Tech, how is he missing extra points? Well, he missed one this year, one last year, and he missed a bunch in junior college. And Bart, if there's one thing we know not every miss is the fault of the kicker. And junior college holders are a highly suspect group. That being said, Garibay, if given a chance to kick a field goal on the ballgame on Tuesday, really good chance it's going through. So the kicker, Jonathan Garibay, out of California, the first guy that I was looking at. The second guy for me is a linebacker, Colin Schooler. He is the leading tackler on Texas Tech's team. And 
he's an interesting guy too. He he's actually a transfer. He played three years at Arizona, was first team all pack 12 at Arizona as a middle linebacker. He's come to Texas Tech. Now he's in his second year there. He's a COVID senior, and he's now playing outside. We're a strong side linebacker of the middle. Doesn't get to the quarterback a ton, about once a game. He's got 10 hurries, just one sack on the season. In fact, just five tackles for loss all year. But he's kind of active in that 1 to 10 range. He's got an interception. He's got a fumble recovery. He's forced three fumbles. He's a good tackler. He is not, though, an elite pass defender. He's good. He's not elite. When he's been targeted, teams have completed 87% of their passes for an average of nine yards. So a lot of little stuff underneath against him. It's one thing to tackle a running back from Abilene Christian. It's another, though, to try to tackle some of these guys that are going to be running mesh routes or Mississippi State in the middle of the field. Keep an eye on Schooler. What can he do against guys in the slot when he's called upon to do it? I think that's going to be a big part of this game. Boy, I agree with you a lot, Charlie. And, hey, the thing about the kicker, the thing you know, so many people think about when a guy hits a 62-yarder, well, here's a guy that just ran into one. But, I mean, him being 13 to 14 on the season shows you he's a, he's a solid guy. And when you talk about the linebacker, here's the thing about Texas Tech. They have an inordinate amount of, you know, those super seniors. This is his fifth year. I mean, he's in top five all time of tackling in the NCAA. And so, but he's he's a guy, like you said, Charlie, this is going to be a little bit different task for him, even though they do play in the Big 12, but you don't have the Big 12 quote unquote style of offenses. This is going to be more Big 12 style pretty much than. They've seen all year long, which is kind of crazy. And, of course, those two guys brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage are country pleasing, producing the finest sausage in the world. Right here in the state of Mississippi, down in Florence, Mississippi, at Country Meat Packers on Highway 49. And, uh, hey, that's the thing that's been the staple for us when we've been on the Christmas break so far is every morning we got some kind of different style of country pleasing sausage. We made some we made some breakfast burritos the other morning. And so, anyway, yeah, country pleasing sausage doesn't get any better than our fine folks. Uh, Henry Cooper in the gang down at country pleasing. All right, Bart, we've taken a look at our numbers. We've taken a look at our players. And as we like to do, let's take a look at one coach from Texas Tech each. Well, and I'm going to be a little bit different today, Charlie. I'm going to go with Joey McGuire, who is going to be the new head coach at Texas Tech. And you say, why in the world are you picking a guy who's going to be the coach? Well, he's been there for a month. He was the outside linebacker coach for Baylor, and he's been on staff since October, the you know late October in uh, at Texas Tech. And he was a longtime high school coach. Here's what's interesting about Joey McGuire. Spent a long time as a head coach at Cedar Hill High School there in the Dallas area. This was a program who had never won a playoff game. But in his seasons at Cedar Hill, they went to 12 straight playoff appearances. They won three state championships. And he built a power at Cedar Hill in the Dallas area. He was hired five years ago to be on the staff at Baylor. He was kept by Dave Aranda. And one of the things about Joey McGuire, he's a blue-collar type guy. And so that's you've got to be a little bit different to win at Baylor, a little bit different to win at Texas Tech. And so the reason I say all that, uh, why he's important, you said it a minute ago. I think this is a dress rehearsal for a lot of guys. I think Joey McGuire, who brings a blue-collar mentality 
into Lubbock. I think there's a lot of guys trying to figure out and trying to play their way on to his team next year. And so he's uh, he's not going to be on the field or coaching, but he is going to have a watchful eye of this one, the new head coach, Joey McGuire. Well, the guy that I'm looking at is Sonny Cumby, who is the interim head coach. He has been named the head coach at Louisiana Tech. So pretty soon he'll get to trade in West Texas for Western Louisiana. Cumby is a Mike Leach guy. Cumby was a walk-on. And how typical is this of guys who go on to have success quarterbacking Mike Leach? He walks on. He's a backup to Cliff Kingsbury and to B.J. Simons. He waits his turn, and then 2004, he beats out a couple of big-time recruits. In fact, they got one of the top junior college quarterbacks, but Cumbie beats him out, goes on to be the starter in 2004. At the end of the season, they play in the Holiday Bowl. And by the way, you look at bowl games. Hadn't there been some great Holiday Bowls over the years? But they play California, quarterback by Aaron Rodgers, and Cumbie outduels him. Texas Tech got the win in that bowl game. He circles back around, doesn't do much in the NFL. He played some arena ball, played some kind of the various and sundry leagues that have popped up. But he circles back and becomes a graduate assistant under Mike Leach and ultimately becomes a receivers coach. And when Tommy Tuberville comes in, he retains Cumbie as a coach. Cliff Kingsbury comes in. He's the only coach that Kingsbury retained. And then he ultimately makes his way to TCU where he's the offensive coordinator and then comes back to Texas Tech. Cumbie is a tech guy and not typical. So, you know, we talk about Greg Knox coaching Mississippi State after a change was underway, coaching Florida after a change is underway. A little bit different. Cumbie's leaving. He's going to Louisiana Tech. But there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears from Sonny Cumbie in the ground out in Lubbock, Texas. So this is a guy coaching his final, for now at least, game with Texas Tech in this ballgame, Sonny Cumbie, the interim head coach. All right, Bart, we've got our two brothers two-minute drill coming up. Before we go, before we hit our two-minute drill, here's what I want to know. Does State win this ballgame? Yes. The answer is yes. And I think we cover the eight-and-a-half as well. I've gone from the thought process of – you know, we're going to win but not cover the eight and a half, but I think we're going to cover the eight and a half in this game. And I don't know what the line is right now, but we started in our bowl pick them. It was eight and a half. And so, yeah, I say we win this game. I say we win this game by more than by, by more than one score as well. I feel like we do too, and I feel like this ball game, while not Music City Bowl important, Mike Leach is going to be the coach at Mississippi State next year and hopefully for years to come regardless of what happens in this bowl game on Tuesday. Very different than when we went to Nashville a couple of years ago. Now, that being said, even though I don't think this has any type of job significance, I do think this ball game has some program significance. And you can say, and people will give me a break, it's a bowl game against Texas Tech, it's the Liberty Bowl, settle down. I'm, I'm not elevating it. I'm not, this isn't program-defining but I think it can be a game that gives us a jump start. And I think we'd be remiss, Bart, if we didn't think about that ball game in 2013 against Rice, where Dak Prescott had that big game and it really kind of jump started things headed into 2014. Will this be that kind of game? I don't know. But I would love to have a win, to have a little bit of excitement as we head into the, the cold winter months and have to start thinking about next year. I think it's not critical. But I think it's an important game. I do too. And I think cohesiveness with the coaching staff, as you just said, Mike Leach isn't going anywhere. 
Most of these coaches, if any of these coaches, are not going anywhere. You've got Joey McGuire who's coming in to take over a program. You've got Sonny Cumbie who's leaving to be the coach at Louisiana Tech. You know, over the last few months, there's or last few weeks, there's been some topsy-turvy in the football office at Texas Tech. It's been constant in Starkville, and I think that's going to be a big key in this game. So I'm going to hit the whistle, and we're going to get going on our two brothers, two-minute drill, two brothers, boy, the best tacos you can eat in Starkville. Let me tell you this, the unbelievable tacos. You've got the, the barbecue nachos. You've got so many great things, just a great place right there on University Drive. And, Charlie, one of my favorite places to go, not only to go in Starkville, to sit outside, but also the takeout as well. The Gregory's frequent two brothers a ton and have over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. And like I've told you before, the hamburgers are really strong. So just about anything you get there, you're going to love it. No doubt. And so here we go on our two brothers two-minute drill. Well, we talk about our quarterback, Will Rogers, but how about the original cowboy, Will Rogers, the actor, the columnist, the cowboy humorist. Back in the 1920s, he learned that Texas Tech's band was traveling to Fort Worth to take on TCU, and he donated $200 toward their travel expenses. Well, in those days, that was a lot of money. And so what's interesting now is there's a life-size statue of Will Rogers and his horse, Soap Suds, that stands on the Texas Tech campus, and it has for the last 71 years. If you remember the Police Academy franchise of movies, Steve Gutenberg, I think, was in that. Well, so was G.W. Bailey, class of 66, Texas Tech. You might remember him as Captain Harris from the Police Academy movies. Well, musicians with Texas Tech ties include John Denver, Pat Green, Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chicks, and Josh Abbott. And also from Lubbock, Texas, the great Buddy Holly. Oh, yes. Charlie, did you know that you could get on Highway 82 in Starkville, Mississippi, drive through the state of Mississippi, over into Arkansas, get into the state of Texas, all the way through the state of Texas, and drive right into downtown Lubbock, Texas, all on Highway 82? I don't advise doing that. People think of West Texas as being a little bit of the desert, but West Texas is responsible for more than 80% of the total wine grape production in Texas. Well, we talk about Sonny Dykes, who's now the head coach at TCU. Before Sonny Dykes, it was his dad, Spike Dykes. And Spike was on the football staff at Mississippi State in 1979 under Emory Millard. He left to be the head coach at Midland Lee High School out in Texas of Friday Night Lights fame. And he was the head coach at Texas Tech for 13 seasons until 1999 when a guy by the name of Mike Leach followed him. Lubbock, Texas has not been considered a tourist-type destination. There are at least 17 songs that have been written about Lubbock. Among them, Lubbock or Leave It by The Chicks and Lubbock, Texas in My Rearview Mirror by Mac Davis. Happiness is Lubbock, Texas in my rearview mirror. Hey, uh, Charlie, a a positive about uh, Lubbock, and this is my final one. We talk about steakhouses, and hey, you can hit and miss with steakhouses. The best steak I ever ate in my life came from Kegel Steakhouse in Lubbock, Texas. On May 7, 1989, the greatest player to ever play basketball, Michael Jordan, delivered one of his most iconic playoff game-winning shots when he ousted the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 5 as he elevated and made a shot over Craig Elo. Craig Elo played at Washington State, but he was from Lubbock, Texas. 
All right. All right. So that's our two-minute drill. That's our final deep dig of the year. Bart, I enjoy doing this. And, um, you know, kind of getting in the numbers, digging into these games. It's been a lot of fun doing this this year. And I'm looking forward to doing this in baseball season a little bit. Hey, no doubt. Looking forward to it in baseball. The game of numbers kind of lends itself a little bit more. But, hey, I've kind of enjoyed – it gets hey, it gets us ready for the pregame show and stuff like that. That's, that's what's been good. We get to do our little studying and getting ready for the game. Kind of feels weird doing it on a Sunday. you got the – hey, I'm, I'm sitting here with my Strange Brew coffee that we normally have on Sunday coffee. I guess we'll have Wednesday coffee this coming week after the Tuesday bowl games. And so, man, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed this uh, Tracks Plus Deep Dig. All right. You predict a win. I predict a win. So there's only one thing left to do. Let's go win this thing. Bart, enjoyed it. Yeah, Charlie. And once again, brought to you by our good friends at Tracks Plus, Farm Bureau, the Farm Bureau Studios, Country Pleasing Sausage, Two Brothers Smoked Meats, and the Mississippi Beef Council, the Mississippi Cattle Farmers in their checkoff, beef it's what's for dinner charlie enjoyed it as always you've been listening to the tracks plus deep dig